Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that made 10.2 billion... Uh, no, we didn't. That's right. That was CBA. I'm Scott Phillips. He is Andrew Page. G'day, mate. How are you? Good. I mean, I'd be a lot better if we did somehow manage to make over $10 billion in the last year, but I sadly, no. I can't tell you how disappointed I was when I read the number. I thought, oh, good, that's us. And the, no, it's not. It's actually, it's actually mm. the Commonwealth Bank. Um, yeah. It's been a week. How are you, mate? What's news? Uh, yeah, uh, not much. Um, just, uh, you know... Trying to, to to swim in the, the choppy waters of the market, absorbing the all this. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> trying to absorb all the information that's out there. And uh, yeah, one day at a time, my friend. How about you? <laughs> one day at a time. Very football coach of you, mate. Game of two halves, <laughs> one day at a time. Full credit to the boys. Mate, I'm I'm very, very well. Uh, sun's out, mate. I'm always happy. You know what? I, I've said this before. I'm going to, this is not fair to our listeners. Um, this is genuinely the most fun part of my week, this podcast that we do. And I, I appreciate you spending time doing it with yeah, me. It's good fun. Um, and uh, we, we, at the dinner table at night, we try and try and teach our young bloke a bit of gratitude. So we do the favorite part of our day. Just trying to, you know, make that oh, nice. focus. And almost every week or every Thursday, the favorite part of my, my day is doing the podcast and I, it doesn't feel overly fair, i got to say. We get paid to, or I get paid to talk. You, you, you're hopefully getting some business out of this as well. But uh, yeah, getting paid to chat to each other for a couple of hours a week, which is, which is pretty fun. Well, I've, we've said before, if ever we get cancelled, or maybe we should say when we get cancelled, we'll, we'll probably just keep keep it in the diary and just talk to each other, right? Just, just keep recording it and then just doing nothing with the, with the file, just deleting the file and doing it again next week. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, can't, be, can't be far off from being cancelled, can we? Uh, yeah, well, it depends on what topics. I keep, like, you know, keep talking about property and stuff and, <laughs> and banking. It's only a matter of time. Uh, either that, or maybe, well, maybe not with the uh, Australian obsession with property. Maybe. maybe that's the best way to stay uncancelled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> mate, uh, let's move on. But before we do, uh, I believe once upon a time you started a business called Strawman.com. Is that is that is that other rumors true? That they are true, uh, good, and good. Be, and before you ask, we're a private online investment. Oh, yeah, I wasn't going to ask you that mm. at all. I was going to say that we had a, uh, a a member, a listener, write in. Uh, who, by the way, we'll talk about his question on Sunday. But uh, he described you as I did as the man, the myth, the legend. Who is Andrew? <laughs> now he said Andrew Property Page, which I thought was a, a different t- twist on my uh, Andrew Ram Page introduction. But there you go. Maybe I'm nice. Mr. Property after all. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> Uh, I'll, 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 I'll claim it. I'll, I'll, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mate, let's talk about uh, money. Let's talk about, well, large amounts of money. And as we started with, talking about CBA's 10.2 billion, that's with a b- 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 profit, profit for the last uh, period of time. It was the last six months or the last three months. I can't remember which. Big number anyway. Um, no, it's for the year. For the year. It was full year. Okay, full year. Thank yeah. you. Um, massive number. Massive, God, if they're, doing, if they're doing that every quarter. I mean, <laughs> let, let's just wind the clock forward a few years and uh, uh, the, the property market rolls well, on. Then, then maybe maybe <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen. Once another couple of banks merge, we'll talk about that in a minute too. Um, a lot of money, mate. Uh, I have been on radio three times in the past two days. By the way, we're recording this Thursday morning, the 10th of August to date stamp it. Where people say to me, so CBA's profit, that's not reasonable, is it? And then I'm the poor bugger who's got to go on uh, on retail radio and explain why. Well, maybe kind of there's some good and some bad. But before I do any of that, let me ask you, mate, is that too much money for a bank to make? I mean, it uh, it is an obscene amount of money. Um, I have had some people make the comment of, I think the government sold, because this was a public, uh, a government-owned entity. I think mm-hmm. the, I think we sold it for like $10 billion back in the day. Oh, right, okay. 
Yeah. So inflation adjusts that, et cetera, et cetera. But it does, you know, there is there is probably something to be sort of said mm-hmm. of, wow, we really we really gave the golden goose away there, <laughs> didn't we? Um, no, I mean, yes, it is a large amount of money, but here's a couple of, I don't, I'm going to be the last person to defend the banks, but a couple of things to, to bear in mind here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the number is uh, one in two Australians own it or own a part of it. Right. Okay. Now, not directly, but mm-hmm. through your super. So even if you just tick the most generic box that your employer gave mm-hmm. you, there'll be a super fund somewhere that has an allocation to it. And therefore you, <laughs> you sort of benefit from that. Yeah. So it's, it's something that I think, you know, at least half of it, and I don't even know if that includes kids or not, or just adult Australians. Mm-hmm. I, I assume it's like literally half the population full stop <laughs> that has some kind of exposure to it. So, mm-hmm. you know, be careful what you wish for in, 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 um, in hoping for its demise. The, the other thing is as well is it's, it's, you've got to look at it proportionally. Is that, mm-hmm. an, is that an unrealistic profit relative to the size of the business? Um, and probably not. In fact, they were at pains to point out in their presentation that their return on equity um, the profit that they make relative to the net assets of the business has actually yeah. been coming down. It wasn't, yeah. it's not as good as it's been historically. Funnily enough, after the Royal Commission and some of those changes were, <laughs> were enacted, but by the way, still very profitable, right? Turn, this turns this is a wonderful it. business, yes, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, from that lens, yeah. no. And um, I, I guess for me, the question is the, the size issue for me is more relevant one when it bestows an unfair competitive advantage Mm. that limits competition and therefore the value that we as consumers get. And there's probably something to sort of say that (laughs) the the, the big four are of as an oligopoly, if I can use that term probably of, uh, you know, imagine you or me trying to set up a a competing organization uh, to that, which is a whole other conversation. But no, I think I think ten billion is just large, but it's it is a it is a business that is worth well. What's the market cap of it? Like one one hundred and eighty billion dollars. Yeah. So in that context, it's it's probably about what you'd expect. Yeah, I, and I really want all the listeners to think about this. I don't own shares in any of the banks. Not even my super fund. I don't have a an industry fund or a retail fund. I do my own thing. I don't have any. I don't think I've ever owned CBA shares, as far as I can recall. Um, I'm old, but not that old. I should remember. Um, I have no dog in this fight, right? Other than wanting, as hopefully our listeners know by now, good public policy and and reasonable, reasonably well run capitalism. That those things would be nice. Um, I. This is the. <laughs> Our, our, our journos have a tough job. They are under massive amounts of time pressure. The model is being destroyed as we speak by online and everything else. And so I'm, I'm loath to be too critical of our the, the writers, the, the journos or the mastheads or the sub-editors because they are, they're, they're, they're on a burning platform desperately trying to keep the thing afloat. That said, um, when we say 10.2 billion is a lot of money and a lot of money must be bad, therefore they're making too much money, it kind of just, it, 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 it's, it's massively dumbing down the economic debate. Right, mm-hmm. you, you, we can absolutely agree Commonwealth Bank's making too much money in a whole lot of different measures, but to picking a single large number and saying that seems too big, therefore these guys are bad, is about as stupid a take as you can have. And I, I, I say that, and then I think about it. Think I don't want to criticise any of our listeners who have or had that thought. I just want to make the point that there is nothing inherently good or bad about ten billion dollar profits. I'm sure the U.S. banks that are multiples of Commonwealth Bank size make large amounts of money. You think about the size of profit Apple makes, and et cetera, et cetera. If you're a global business, you earn global-sized profits. If you're if you're the biggest bank in Australia, you earn the biggest bank profits. These things aren't unusual, or even unreasonable. They're not even unreasonable. That's the kind of key point. If you think about, well, and the, also, you know, also, do you want them to be strong? Right. Right. 
100%. So let's look at CBA, right? $10 billion, a lot of money, yes. Their profit was up 5% year on year. Well, that's kind of about average across the ASX. Like that's that's not an unreasonable growth in profit. If you were in an economy that's growing, you know, like it's, you got more people, uh, the economy's bigger. You'd expect that if you were one of the big banks, it's oligopoly, so let's get back to that. But if you're one of the big banks that gets system-wide growth of about 5% profit, that's about what you'd expect. Not only that, their profit margins fell. So mm. when it's the profiteering, big bank, obscene amount of money, blah, blah, blah. So well, hang on, they made, they made less per dollar of revenue this year than last year. That's, yep. not, that's not banks profiteering. That's not price gouging for all things we think. And people say, oh, yeah, people are doing it tough out there. Shouldn't the banks share the pain? It's like, well, again, be careful what you wish for, right? Do, we want, do you want them to be Silicon Valley Bank profitable? Do you want them to be Credit Suisse profitable or Lehman Brothers profitable? I don't think so. I think, we're, I think we've mm-hmm. been through this one before. Let's not, let's not forget the lessons of history. Um, now, again, I'm not, I'm not here to defend CBA, but I will say also, if you divided CBA up in, into 10 pieces and each of them made a billion dollars each, the bank profits would still be the same, but we wouldn't talk about it because the number was smaller. If you cut it on 100 mm. pieces mm. and they make $100 million each, we kind of go, oh, that's not much. That seems reasonable for a bank to make. Okay, that's fine. Even though the total bank system profit would be exactly the same, that big number that kind of shocks us and makes us start to wonder what's going on, that's the, that's the bit that I think people are being let down by. So there are genuine reasons to criticize CBA and to criticize the banks. There are genuine reasons to think maybe this level of profitability mightn't be sustainable if the property market stumbles or if the economy goes into a funk. So those things are absolutely true. I just want to be really, really clear with our listeners that it's so important to look past just the, 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 the clickbaity headlines or the, or the didn't have time to think about it headlines or just put the number up there and let people draw their own conclusion headlines, which are all really, really, really unhelpful. Hopefully that's why our listeners are listening to the podcast, mate, because that's, that's really important. Uh, to your point of safe security, that's the other thing I want to say quickly is, you know, I given the choice between banks that make a little bit more money than they should, and a banking system that is, you know, um, that is uh, less secure than you'd like. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, I, right. You know, do you really want, hey, guess what? CBA is making less money, but there's a chance the banking system will collapse. Mm. Or CBA is making a bit more money. Banking system is pretty safe. Now, not totally safe, not safe beyond measure, not, you know, uh, devoid of risk. But I don't know, mate. If, if, I'm, if I'm running policy for the Australian government or, or the Australian economy or the Australian society and saying, I'm, I'm okay if, if I've got to put a, put a couple of chips here. I'm going to put a couple more chips on more profitable and more secure rather than less profitable and less secure. It just seems like a, a pretty easy economic bet to make. Yeah, and that's not reported. So we're, we're talking about the income statement here. So what yeah. money was made over the year. I, mm-hmm. I think on that point, we need to pay much more attention to the balance sheet. Yeah, so. And they, and they have strengthened their tier one mm-hmm. um, capital. So this is sort of like the thing that underpins all of the fractional reserve lending that they do. Yeah. And that's fine. You just you just want to make sure that they're pretty strong. That I mean, this, it feels like sacrilegious to say it, but sometimes you, you mentioned before that when the economy is going well, the banks are going to do well. Yep. Well, the, the inverse of that, of course, is that when the economy is not doing well, mm-hmm. um, banks probably won't do well yep. either. And it's not a question of if, but when. And again, this isn't chicken little kind of everything's terrible and we're all going to hell in a handbasket. This is just a, I hope, a fairly balanced, reasonable view that the economy tends to move in cycles and sometimes Mm. it's up and sometimes it's down. And when it is down, I want to make sure that this is a business 
that can weather the storm yep. without having to be bailed out with mine and yours and everyone else's taxpayers' money. That's that's what's going to re- – if you want to get angry, get angry about <laughs> that, right? Like exactly. that is exactly. really unfair to the rest of us. So yep. it's, you know, yep. capitalism on the way up, socialism on the way down. So yeah, I will give them some – well, not – I mean, I think I'll give our regulators some credit there because they really sort of uh, pushed push for that. Mm-hmm. The banks have all um, yeah, pretty true. much ad- adhered to that, yeah, and their yeah. balance sheet is in is in better shape. And mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. actually, you know, by global standards, pretty decent. So I'm not yeah. I'm not going to be too critical there. But that's not reported, right? And um, the, here's the thing, though, right? Um, it's hard to do verbally. So I will try to avoid the maths, but <laughs> the stronger, the, the more that you want to fortify your balance sheet, the more your profitability is going to suffer. Correct. Yeah. Because you've uh, got- And you've the more got, you're forced to do it, right? It's the other thing, because regulators yes. make them keep that capital, which is probably more than they choose to keep. Because if it wasn't, they'd have more already. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, why not Why not take all that capital that's just sitting there on your balance sheet and go and, you know, buy Bitcoin or something, yep. right? Like you yep, could do yep, whatever yep. you wanted yep. to it and, yep. and, and potentially make a lot of money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just, it's what, you know, you hear some people refer to it as lazy balance sheets. Yeah. In the say, in the sense that it could be earning much more money, and it could. In the same way that if you take any remaining equity in your house, you could mm. go and flip mm. that into another mm. ten properties and 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 make much more money when things are going well. But of course, we 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 know the 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 consequences of of that when things go against you. So anyway, so that's that's my my uh, one point I'll I'll make there. Yeah. You know the thing that sticks out for me is, and this is this is just depressing, is that when you talk about the Commonwealth Bank or any of the big banks, you can't not talk about it without talking about property. You know it's my favorite topic, right? So I was always gonna I was always gonna swing it. I was always gonna swing it around here (laughs) to this. But banks are banks uh, as an institution, as a concept, are actually of all of the things that we talk about having uh, Mm -hmm. led to increased human prosperity and our, our our growing civilization. The innovations within money and banking have been phenomenal, right? Yeah. Like it, it, it takes money from those that have an excess and don't have a good use for it to those entrepreneurs, business people that do. Mm-hmm. And so Scott's got all this money saved up. He doesn't really need it. He'll give it to a bank. He'll give him a bit of interest. I'll borrow it at a slightly higher interest rate. I'll go start a business. I'll employ people. I'll make stuff and we're all richer and better off for right. it. You know, that's, that's, Sounds that's pretty good to me. Like, this, this, is, this is a phenomenal thing, right? Yeah. And you can go all the way back to Venice and even well before that as to some of the things that have, it's, it was an unlock for us as a species to to um, yeah, just increase our, our general prosperity. Yeah, nice. um, what's dis- the reason I frame it like that is what's disappointing when you look at Australia, which is really I saw a, a, a index the other day. I think it's from the World Bank, but don't quote me on that. But one on economic complexity. Hmm. And it's good to have a complex, diverse economy. You don't want to be the so-called banana republic, which is like we we sell bananas and that's all we do. It's just you're not a very resilient, robust economy, mm-hmm. uh, and we're actually not very complex at all. We're, and the the old the old lament is that Australia is houses and holes, mm-hmm. and this has really stood out to me when you look at the the balance sheet of of CBA. So, mm-hmm. of all of their loans that they issue, and they've got nine hundred and thirty billion dollars of loans that are out there. Seventy percent of them are for houses, <laughs> right? And Commonwealth Bank, like one in four home yeah, loans, is yeah. Commonwealth Bank, yes, right? Yeah. So it's sort of like, it, why is that a why is that an issue? Well, it's an issue because these are unproductive assets, right? Mm. So we we we've all as a society levered ourselves up to the eyeball into things that, that we'll live in and we'll n- now spend the next 
30, 40 <laughs> years paying off. It's, it's not creating jobs. It's not making us it's, – it's a, it's a bit of a shell game really, I, mm-hmm. I, I tend to think. So I think and, – and then you go, well, okay, but there's still a – they're still the biggest bank in the country. Mm-hmm. They're obviously lending a lot. Well, yeah, there's $165 billion in business loans. 17% of their loan book is for business. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably about 8% what they call institutional loans, um, which is a bit of a vague term, but I assume that's more along the lines of, of, of corporate, higher level corporate finance as well. So let's go. So, so basically, you know, only a quarter of what they do is is for business and the rest is is for homes. And I find that pretty disappointing. 28% of the home loans that they do are for investment. And in the last six months, it's been 32% of the loans issued that were for investment loans. Mm. And about a fifth of them are for interest only. So so the bank has done well. And the mm. bank, and, and you just, as I say, you can't talk about the bank without talking about property because that <laughs> is what the business is. It is a business of taking our deposits and, and in fact, this is another worth a shout out when you go through the details here. Three quarters of their funding now comes from deposits. It used to be about two thirds. In fact, it used to be about 60%. Right, right, right. So they're just Australians didn't have enough money deposited at the. So again, traditional model we deposit our money, they lend it out. You know, there's a net interest margin. That's, that's the margin that they make, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it, it still turns out today that a quarter of their money comes from offshore wholesale market. So the CBA will go into the international market and they'll say, here's some CBA bonds. Um, you can buy them and we'll promise you a certain return on that. Um, the rest comes from deposits and deposits are great because they're the lowest cost, right? You don't have to pay as much as you do to, to uh, global bo- uh, bondholders there. Um, so what am I saying here? I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, is that of all of that money that we manage to save as an excess for our labors and toils and risk taking, we give to the bank and the bank turns around and gives it to someone to buy property mm-hmm. who then gets some equity, who then uses that to lend against to borrow more property <laughs> and onwards and upwards it goes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, am I, am, I, am I being a little too cynical with, with all little, of that? Is, 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 it, <laughs> is it not, is it not dep- like, think, of, mm-hmm. think of the uh, uh, potential... Um, um, wealth as a nation that we could build if we were actually taking that money and putting it into new mm. businesses and factories and big nation building projects and not just another another you know massive complex of black roofs out in Western Sydney. It's just, it's, it's, I find it really depressing. G'day to our listeners in Western Sydney. Thank you for tuning in. Um, <laughs> uh, can, I, can I say, mate, I, I have ideological sympathy for your point. Pragmatically, my issue has always, always, always been with that. Um, the idea that housing isn't productive, but somehow investing in businesses is productive. When it's more than just, so startup businesses, growth capital, absolutely productive, right? Andrew wants to start strawman.com. I'm going to throw you a tenner. Say, mate, pay me back 20 bucks in a couple of years time. You're saying, great, otherwise I want to be able to start strawman. That's productive capital. If I use it to go and buy, you know, shares in BHP that you already owned, that's not really productive capital. It's just swapping swapping assets one one for the other, right? There's no That's true. there's no productive yep. generation. I, my only thing is, I don't know if I think Betty from let's say Greystones, let's go with Western Sydney for for fun. Um, you know, I'm not sure her money is necessarily safer in property via a bank, i.e., deposits being lent out by the banks for, for property owners. But I'm also not sure that there is necessarily a dearth of capital for really great ideas in Australia that somehow we would be able to turbocharge our economy if only 5% of that money could be diverted from housing to business. I, I, I get mm. the ideological approach of yeah, if we I had the that. choice, would, would, we, would we as a country facilitate more great ideas? Yes, 100%. A million percent. I agree with you completely. Mm. Am I sure that 
you know, Bob Smith shouldn't be putting money in the bank, but should be putting money in shares or, 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 or you know, some sort of equity funded crowds, crowdfunded startup to, you know, build the next big beer company or something. When, unless those things are more efficient than the ones they're replacing, you know, let, let's, let's go with breweries for fun. You and I start a brewery, we crowdfund it. Someone says, oh, I'll give some money to those productive use guys over there instead of putting it in, in housing, fine. And then someone says, okay, well, I'll buy a, I'll buy a Page and Phillips beer rather than a Tui's beer. No, no value is actually really created unless we do it better, unless we're cheaper, unless you know, think about the productivity of the economy. Uh, you know, realistically, the only productive use of that is uh, of that money is if you if it finds its way to something that ends up improving the productivity of the economy. Otherwise, it's just you know Page Brewery rather than Phillips Brewery rather than Tui's Brewery rather than Forex Brewery, and around and around we go. I just I I, I get the pro- property isn't productive. Frankly, I'd rather people consume it actually rather than invest it somewhere else. All things considered, because at least then you'd get some meaningful value from it, right? <laughs> go go and buy another bottle of wine that, that some vineyard maker can be paid for rather than just shifting capital around between houses i get that um i just i i i kind of struggle with the ideologically correct but pragmatically questionable view of there's a more quotes productive use of the money because i I think it ends up kind of just in the same vortex of you know buying an asset rather than a different asset i'm not sure it makes that much difference does it no no i think that actually that's an excellent and and very fair point it it is it is more just i think it is very telling when you look at the structure of our economy and it's it's very telling (laughs) in terms of (laughs) when we talk about wealth i mean these we throw words around but in this industry more than any other and like they i think we all have sort of a um a, a certain level of understanding but they're kind of like very deep sort of concepts and this idea of the wealth creation that we have engineered yep. through increasing pro- we, we were basically the easter islanders that have mm. all just built these big heads and decided they're worth a lot of money and then we're swapping them for each other there's there's actually not a lot going on there mm. other than being fed uh, uh, ponzi is too strong a word <laughs> but really but really being fed by new money coming yeah. in at the bottom yeah. right and 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 us all having to it's sort of I convince ourselves that they're much higher multiples so i guess where it gets to me as a I, while I totally acknowledge your point, mm. where it gets to me as a more than just a ideological lament is that it it actually points to um, a weakness and a, a fragility within our sector. I'm going to assume the other banks are pretty much the same in terms of their structure. But it means that, again, at some point, it's mm. not un- reasonable again if history and yeah, other yeah. economies economies are any guy that sometimes we have a recession unemployment won't always be at this you know 50 mm-hmm. year low of three and a half percent and uh property values could go down i'm not talking about a 50 yeah. percent crash like an, a spain or a greece mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that you know although that that does happen in the yep. modern world to the realm of but, right exactly yeah you know but let's 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 not let's just assume that things mm-hmm. go down 15 percent, right yeah um this is very, very bad news for the Commonwealth Bank. In fact, mm-hmm. if you want to look at their, so again, we'll do some balance sheet analysis here. Let's look at their total assets. So their asset, their assets aren't tractors and things like that. They're loans. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So they've got all these promises from from businesses I mean, in, and in people. In theory, tied the to assets in large amounts of cases. So I guess you could probably reclaim the tractor and try and pay off some of the loans. So there is there is some security for that, but that's a kind of a second, third order one. Yep. Uh, actually, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a shout out there because you reminded me of something. I think the average uh, LVR, loan to value ratio, is 45% across the portfolio. Oh, okay. 
So that's pretty good, right? Like yeah. that's not well, average, I'm, I'm, average is average, but yes, go on. This you know, well, I mean, it's not eighty percent, right? right? In, yes, go in, in terms of if, if if everyone, well, if everyone, we're screwed if everyone fails to pay their loan. Yeah. But if, <laughs> we're making caves at that point, so let's. If yeah. a significant yeah. number of people, they can always sell the property from underneath. You know, there's a whole mm-hmm. social dimension to that, which I certainly mm-hmm. don't want to gloss over. But just we, we're speaking balance balance sheets here. But but what I'm saying is, is when you look at their assets and as as carried on the balance sheet, they are promises from people and businesses that I'll pay you this much back over this time frame. That's that's mm. that's that's their assets. Yep. Yep. Um, um, their liabilities are all of the money that we've given them in our savings accounts. Our assets, their liabilities. Yep. Yep. And the and uh, bonds that they've issued and they've got to pay back. So the difference. So they've got uh, one point. Two trillion in assets mm-hmm. and one point one trillion in liabilities. Mm-hmm. So, so in other words, here. So let's forget <laughs> the business loans. Let's get, forget yeah, consumer yeah. finance. Yeah. Let's forget all of the other activities of the bank. Mm-hmm. If they're, and I'm just saying if, right? I'm not mm-hmm. saying when. I'm just saying if their home loan book <laughs> was to fall by twelve percent, yeah. they're technically insolvent. In other words, now I, I, the the point of it is is that when you have seventy percent of your business all on bricks and mortar, all on, uh, and not not, commer- not commercial, not industrial, just just family homes. Residential and, housing, yep. Yeah, it doesn't need much before there is there is trouble and then a recapitalization. Now, if the recapitalization comes at the expense of shareholders, I'm pretty happy with that because, mm-hmm. you know, welcome welcome to investing in business. <laughs> there's, there's risk. Yep. And if I, my business gets into trouble and I'm going to have to put my hand in my pocket and the other shareholders are going to have to like sort of make it whole or we decide to go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And, and so that could absolutely happen. But because I would say that banks enjoy a very privileged position within our economy because mm-hmm. they are so systemically and structurally important. The generally what happens if things get really bad, we saw this in the GFC uh, in the US and other places, is, is they, again, we, ba- we will bail them out even if you've got no shares there, yeah. right? Yeah. Even yeah. if you're not the person being paid $10 million a year who's running the whole damn mm-hmm. thing, right? Whatever Matt's pay is, I, I don't forget, something large. <laughs> um, um, and, and for my mind, it it is something to. I feel as though it's it's a little bit scary. Now, now while I've said that, let let's let's be positive again for a second. Um, the rate of provisions. So so what a what a business does is when they feel as though that there might be some losses in the future, they'll they'll put that in a different bucket just mm. to, you know that. To, to account for that. Yep, yep. So they do these- put some money aside to say, hey, when this goes bad, we've got the cash here ready to cover it yep. effectively. So they've got this thing called TIA in, 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 in banks, trouble and impaired assets. That increased 11% to $7.1 billion. So they look across mm-hmm. all of their assets and go, ooh, there's about $7 billion there that are in trouble. We, we're not sure if we're going to get it paid back. There's a bunch that are past the 90 days uh, arrears point. Like they're just, they're not being paid. Um, so, so they've increased their provisions by 57% to $6 billion. Now, it sounds like a lot. It's less than 1% of the total, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be sort of shocking and then I'm going to try and sort of be realistic. It, uh, in fact, those loans that are in arrears uh, of more than 90 days are less than half a percent. And that's less than what it was last year and the year before and the year before that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's okay. Uh, in, the, in the last, those that are 30 days in arrears has ticked up over the last year, but it's still less than less than one percent. 
Um, so it seems to be in pretty good shape. But what we know is these things can move pretty quickly. Everyone's heard about the mortgage cliff. There was a really inter- couple of interesting charts I want to pull out here. One is um, the the amount of fixed rate mortgages that are going to expire. So everyone's heard about this. So in the six months to the June 23 this is when this financial report was was prepared. Um, they've still got a third of mortgages are yet to experience higher rates on their right. books. So they are still carrying it like extraordinarily yeah. historically low things. In the six months that we are now in through to the end of um, 2023 will actually be the biggest amount of loans that roll off. Mm-hmm. And people will be people in there that are literally going to be paying three or four times their, their weekly amount in, in mm-hmm. repayments. Mm-hmm. In fact, even in the six months after that, so from the start of 2024 to, to June 30, 2024, there'll be more rolling over than we, than have rolled over in, in the first six months of, of this year. In mm-hmm. other words, there's, there's, and again, I'm not, <laughs> I know, I'm really not saying doom and gloom. <laughs> I'm just sort of saying that it's going to be a, a tricky environment for them, and, and and they themselves are worried enough to increase their provisions and 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 put that up to six billion dollars, increase it by fifty seven percent or so. And my point is, is that when the balance sheet is so finely structured like that, um, it it just uh, I would I would be more comfortable if they had more diverse operations. I'd be more comfortable if, despite their improving capital position, that they would improve it even more, because what history has sort of told us is that there's a very interesting game theory at play here, which is really well well um, described as, as moral hazard, which is, I just need to keep lending, no matter what the consequences, because everyone else is. And if worse comes to worse, I'm going to get bailed out anyway. And that, 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 is, that is something that is going to impact all of us in a very bad way if it happens. And if, if it meant for me that the bank was making lower profitability, um, but much, much, much more resilient. Then I'd be, then I'd be a little bit more sanguine about all, all of this. But I, I feel as though, what is it, thirty odd years now without a recession? Every single person mm. in the country up to the eyeballs in debt. We're now in Sydney at thirteen times average incomes, household mm. incomes here. Mm. Um, you know, it's just sort of like we've we have painted ourselves into a corner where the, the term "too big to fail" comes to mind for me. Um, in in terms of the banks and in terms of the property market in general, and it's just it's just going to be a very interesting, I don't know, three, five, ten year period as to, as to how how that returns to a situation where we aren't do any any productivity that we do manage to sort of um, generate as an economy. We aren't just we aren't just going into servicing these ins- extraordinarily high levels of debt and and under which underpin the very largest companies within our economy and i think that's absolutely spot on mate i think uh and and for what it was with my comments around where the money is best spent you know the old productive enterprise thing the one thing that you one point you made uh, almost, almost tangentially was it's we're using debt to do it rather than equity investments and so there's a very yes. big difference there in terms of how that money is being used and i don't know i can't my memory's fading me mate i'm getting old i can't remember if we talked about this last week but the, the the article about I think it was Ross Gittin saying you know we could you know the four hour work week that we envisioned in the 1960s we could actually be doing right now should we choose okay. our standard of living has improved so much that we could be living a very 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 comfortable life on four hours eight hours whatever it is a week of work 
if our lifestyles hadn't inflated to the same degree that they have. Mm-hmm. And that includes things like competing against each other for housing. You know, if, It's the if main thing. No, it's the right, elephant in right. the room. I mean, take away, anyone listening to this knows, take away your mortgage repayment or your rent and how much richer are you? How much less do you have to work when you take that away? Exactly. So you think it's a whole different story. I... um. Quick cross cross uh, promo. I'm not sure when it's coming out, but I interviewed you know Dave Gow from Strong Money Australia. He's written written a book. Um, oh yeah, basically one of the one of the fire guys, financially independent, retire early, and he just kind of talks about this, and it's, it's just really really important, right? And I think we all we all suffer for. It. I, I certainly suffer for it from it. Everyone does, but you know he, he's a pretty straight shooter to the point of the point of you know uh, uh, putting some people's nose out, right? Saying, look, don't don't tell me you need these things. You can choose them. That's fine. But let, let's be honest that you're actually choosing those things rather than actually needing them. And mm-hmm. writ large, that's kind of the story, right? If, if housing was half the price, if it had never, let, let's not talk about our 50% fall because that has its own calamities. But if it had never risen this quickly or this far, we would have the same incomes relatively other than maybe some real estate agents. And we can argue about whether or not they deserve those incomes. They do. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to keep talking so you didn't get in, but I had to take a breath. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just interesting. Hey, mate, let, let's move on because we can- can I, can, I, can I call oh, out one other? There's, like, sure. there's 126 pages of their, pres- <laughs> of their presentation, right? Yep, so yep. there's a lot in there. The other thing that really stood out to me was they- had, and, the, and the title of the slide was that, or something like, the pain is not evenly felt. And what yes. they did is they broke down home loan balances and deposits balances, yep. changes in savings, changes in spending by age cohort, 18 mm-hmm. to 24, 25 to 34, mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. way up. And this is a point that you and I have made many times on the pod, but I'm, I'm bears repeating because it's always nice when there's a bit of a data point that, that suggests your opinion is, is at least directionally correct. And that is that um, if you're under 44, particularly if you're under 35, you're, you're feeling all of the pain of higher interest rates. Uh, if you're, a, you know, uh, a generation that yep. was born after yep. World War II, um, yep. uh, life has never been better. Life mm-hmm. has never mm-hmm. been, despite all of the interest rate increases. In fact, you're, you're, your savings have increased. You're spending more than you ever have spent before because you've got all this excess money through interest and, and everything else. It is, it is a bifurcated economy that we have created for ourselves and it's no one's no conspiracy here, but it is worth pointing out again that they are there are um, a, below a certain age, you're working your guts out just to put a, a roof over your head. Um, and you know the, Philip Lowe and the and the banker, uh, the, the central banker, making yep. life extraordinarily difficult for you. Yep. And at the other end, it's just sort of like life's never been better, despite mm-hmm. all the gloomy headlines, despite interest rates going all the way up, and it's just. I don't know what you do about that, um, but it's but it's it's just it's a very real issue, and even the Commonwealth Bank is is calling it out very clearly in the in the hard data that they have. Anyway, I think that's true. I, yes, I have said before. I think this is generational. Um, you know, thirty years ago, it was the boomers who were paying everything, and their parents weren't paying anything, and that tends to roll over. But as we said many many times, there are better ways to do it. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. <laughs> Let's jump out of the frying pan to the fire, mate. Let, for the, for the, just for the sheer, you know, someone's home giggles, as Austin Powers would have said. Um, <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I throw three bits of just stupid public policy pronouncements at you? I think it's stupid. You oh. may disagree in there. Listen, you, you're only going to limit it to three, but okay. Well, no, on. it's three just today or yesterday and today. Um, uh-huh. In the last in the last couple of days, we have had 
Uh, the proposal for a so-called tycoon tax on bank profits, because they're apparently too big. We've just talked about that. Okay. We've had uh, the Australian for, the Centre for Independent Studies, God love them, have decided that because the federal government sucks so much, federal government's plural, at running the national uh, balance sheet of the income statement, so we've got this massive debt and, and growing deficits, instead of fixing that, what we should do is liquidate the future fund to pay off the debt. So don't worry about the fact that we just can't actually keep our current oh, house. Oh, what? Yeah. And then the transport minister has said, you know what? Let's keep Qatar Airlines out of Australia. Oh, sure, oh. it'll cost $500 million in lost opportunity, but we'll save some jobs. Now, oh, mate, I and, don't- and, and we'll look after our mates at Qantas who we've already bailed out for free. Uh, and well, we're just going to yes. limit the competition that they... Well, we did. We bailed them out no, for I was, free. I was, I was going to say, when you say we, it was, a different, it was a different brand of we at the time. Uh, both parties have been complicit in this one because you, you know, it was oh, the, they the former the LNP government who, yeah. who threw the money, you know, no strings attached and, and Labor are happily doing this. I just... I don't even know oh. where to start, mate. Let's, let's start with tycoon either. tax for fun. I, um, yeah. I just, I, you know what? I just think it's... Let's start with the tycoon tax. I God love the God love the Greens uh, for a party that that wants to try and bring something, you know, keep the bastards honest stuff. They do a very, very, very good line in populist rubbish, uh, from rental freezes to uh, the tycoon tax on super profits. It, it, you know, I I can't really honestly tell whether they believe it, whether it's just some uneducated or undereducated people with some brain fart ideas, or whether it's just straight out populism. Hey, this will appeal to the people you just talked about, people who feel like they're being screwed. Let, let's let's get back by screwing someone else. That might get us a couple of votes. I don't know which of those things is true. And it's not just the Greens, by the way. Um, yeah. In Italy, they've introduced a forty percent tycoon tax on banks. I just, for the life of me, mate, I, I just don't know how you measure how much is too much. We've already got a, a scale which says. If you make it all, you pay 30% of it. And the more money you make, the more tax you pay. I just I don't know how people think you can reasonably apply a progressive taxation system to an entity where individually, sure, I can only work. I only live for many hours a week. or was 168 hours a week. Um, I can only work so many of those. So if I get paid more than a certain amount for that work, you know, it's, it, you can you can right-size the income and then right-size a progressive tax. Mm-hmm. Trying, to, trying to somehow put a some sort of windfall tax, tycoon tax on on profits. I find that just bananas. Am I, am I completely wrong? No, I mean, look, their heart's in the right place. And people, I mean, again, this is really complex stuff. I spent a, a, my entire career up to my eyeballs in this. I'm still f- trying to mm. figure it out properly. You know, it's, it's, so, mm-hmm. it's so diabolically complex. And I think people are right to sort of feel there's an injustice that's out there. You know, it feel, feels wrong. This explains the rise of Trump and others. Totally, I like, 100%. Do you know what I mean? So it's yep. like they, they're picking up on that as politicians do of any stripe, you know, and, they're, and they feel as though it's got, got some currency. Uh, and I do think that the heart's in the right place, but I do think it also lacks a fundamental understanding of, of how uh, the, the economy works and mm. how finance mm. works and, mm. and, and all the rest of it. So... Um, yeah, yeah. If 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 there was blatant rent seeking and monopolistic behaviour and all of that, that's something that we absolutely needs to address. If it's just like this number is too high and you don't like it, uh, and and you want to change uh, progressive rates across the economy, that's a conversation we could have too. Actually, in fact, but yeah. when it's just yeah. singling out particular. Uh, mm-hmm. Industries. I don't. I just don't. I don't feel as though it's going to. It's weird, isn't it? To help. Yeah. It's. it's <laughs> actually, not I, I get. But by the way, making the banks pay for the government guarantee. We, you kind of inferred that or talked toward that a little bit before talking about being bailed out. There's now mm. an explicit government guarantee. I have no issue saying to the banks, "Hey, you got to pay us a percentage of your deposits for that benefit." I mean, that, that's that's insurance premium one hundred and one. Right? If we're going to provide the insurance, you pay yep. the premiums. That's that's a whole different story. 
Um, and as I said, you divide the bank into 100 pieces. No, there's no tax paid just because you conglomerate it to one entity. It's madness. If you and I owned all of 100 different businesses or make a million dollars, we pay no tax. If we said, well, actually, there's one business with $100 million, let's throw a tycoon tax on top. The only difference is the structure. It just it makes no sense whatsoever. It's, as you say, maybe the right motivation, maybe the right sense, a massive dose of populism, in my, my opinion. Um, just ridiculous. Let's go to the future fund then. God, I love the Center for Independent Studies. They're saying, look, there's a lot of government debt. Uh, what we should do, the, and, okay, how, listen to this maths, by the way, uh, return for the future on 7.1%. Cost of government debt, 4.1%. So 7.1 return, 4.1% cost. Uh, if we liquidated the fund, we'd make that 4.1% back. Let's liquidate it and pay off some of the debt. Now, frankly, <laughs> if you could borrow it four and get a 7% return, the, the the sheer financial madness of that concept of yeah. saying, let's, not, let's forego the 7%. For the four percent, we've talked so many times about the idea of, um, you know, paying off the mortgage. We get lots of questions about paying off the mortgage versus investing. This is a really simple one. The government has unlimited taxation capabilities, and yet it's still only paying four percent. It's got seven percent in the future fund. In other words, it's making a three percent margin. And these guys are saying, actually, we don't want the margin. We want to. We want to get rid of the entire future fund, pay off some of the debt. No requirement for the government to not run up any more debt, by the way. All you do is give me a free kick. It's literally the case of you're being being bequeathed some assets by your parents. You spend a little bit too much one year. The credit card gets twenty grand. It's like you know what? Let's sell. Let's sell the asset. Let's sell some shares to pay off the credit card, and then keep spending the way we were previously. Madness. It is just like what am I missing, mate? Like I don't even. And this is like a professional think tank. A short yeah. of ideology driving this, I can't for the life of me think of a single positive reason to do what they suggest. What am I Absolute. missing? No, no, you're not missing anything. It's 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 insanity. It's absolute insanity. I mean, it kind of, the, it's in the name that kind of gives it mm. away. It's called a future fund. It's not called a now fund. You know, sort of, <laughs> exactly. You know, like, that's the is, line. That's the tweet. As the cool kids say, <laughs> that's the tweet. Well, it's just it, it is. It's very short term thinking. I mean, it, it it's like uh, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example, but. Why don't we structurally fix the issue that's causing the debt to rise in the first place? Right. That, that before prob- you, that probably before you think sense. about selling an asset, like if you had to give yeah. someone a free kick, at least make them justify, like, you know, if I yeah. give you this money, it's like you came for money from mum and dad. If I give you this hundred grand, will you, will you, will you put it on the mortgage? Oh, no, no, I'm going to use some of it to go overseas. Put it on the mortgage, yeah, and I'm going to redraw from the mortgage uh, every year and I'm going to put an overseas trip. Well, I'm not giving that money for that. That's This is for the asset. Yeah, but yeah. I want to spend it anyway, mum and dad. It's like, well, I'm probably not going to help you then. You're stealing from the future. And you really, you that's, the, that's the annoying thing. Yep, you're stealing. And from our kids and our kids' kids. And like, this could be, again, I think it's such a, we have, as a country, missed <laughs> such an opportunity with the, the yep. mining boom with China originally, the you know, mining boom Mark 1 and 2. Um, just an, mm-hmm. an amazing opportunity to do what the Norwegians have done and build this huge sovereign wealth fund yep. that will help pay for the roads, the hospitals, the schools, and all the mm-hmm. great things that we want. Maybe even a sub or two or a helicopter, you know, they, they, they might come in handy as well. But wouldn't it be great to have this big portfolio mm-hmm. that generates all this income each year? Yeah. That means that we pay less tax <laughs> because we've, like, I'm, that sounds really great. That sounds oh. really great. And, like, you know, everyone listening to this gets it, right? Like, we're all investing because we want a, a, a pool of assets that will grow in value and generate an income. That's what we want, right? Because if when we've got that, we don't have to work. Right? You know, eventually oh, that's man. that's the brilliance of it. But but I could I could – Go into my Comsec account now. I could sell my entire portfolio. I could have a really great year, and then I'd be stuffed, right? So I'm I'm, I'm deliberately delaying 
gratification for a for more gratification over time. Yeah, and, exactly. And 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 yeah. So I don't, look, I've got no words. I, if if you don't, if they don't get it, or if anyone listening to this doesn't get it, I, I don't know where to even begin. It, it just seems so obvious. I yes, I, yes. Um, I. I <laughs> I, I really I can't even work it out. Anyway, um, I guess think tanks are think tanks for a reason. Hey, um, Qatar Airlines. Let, let's. I know you've already had a bit of a, a swipe at this one. Um, I get governments want to save jobs. I, I have. I promise you, I get it. And I don't want anyone in the airline industry to lose a job. There's some version of Connor Staff listening now saying, "Hey, Phillips, shut up. I might lose my job here. Just just lay off a bit, will you?" I get it. I really, really do. Uh, even even aside from the cynical kind of, you know, of course, they're helping their mates at Qantas. Let's assume that's not even true. Now, maybe that's a, a very a generous assumption. Let's assume it's not true. $500 million is the, is the national saving on one hand, or there's a few jobs on the other. Now, I might say a few, it might be hundreds, it might be a thousand, might be 5,000 for all I know. The maths of that, the maths of that is just ludicrous. The idea that we would willingly, well, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, that a government would willingly put a $500 million bill on the Australian economy, Australian people, to save a few jobs. If this sounds like the car industry to you, welcome to the game. The the bloody winner, you know, picking winners and trying to protect jobs by over-subsidising, and this is not a direct subsidy, this is an indirect subsidy. Government limiting competition means that the incumbents make more money and they guess who pays that money? We do. Um, it is just... it. I don't know, mate. I, you know, I, I, I tweeted this morning, why do we have to choose between two extreme ideologies when we're, when we're voting? You know, there's this last time around, uh, the, the government wanted to, well, a lot of things wrong. Spend your super and, and giving billion dollars of free money, no strings attached money to Qantas, as you mentioned, and all that going on on one hand. We go, okay, we'll give the other mob a go. And they're saying, well, who cares if it costs you all $500 million more? At least we'll save a few jobs and we'll look, at, we'll look good. And, you know, we'll, we'll try and subvert the idea of competition and capitalism because it makes us feel better. I just, I just want some pragmatists, mate. I just want somebody who's actually got a bit of an idea to say, you lot, stop your whinging, stop your carry-on, stop your, you know, posturing and, and populism. Let's actually do some things properly. Is there any mm-hmm. justification for a, for, you know, save a few jobs to cost the rest of us 500 million bucks? Nope, absolutely not. And it's, it sounds heartless, but, but I mean, you know, it's, you've, you've got to look at things. Let's take things to its logical conclusion. And if that was the only North Star that we had as a society, We'd still have blacksmiths on every corner and barrel makers, you know. It's sort exactly. of like we don't oh, now because yeah. we just don't need them anymore, and it's a tragedy for the for the blacksmiths, you know. But it's like we just. I'm sorry, guys. The world has moved on, and it's just it. it <laughs> I, I, I've actually it just so happens actually. I still got the CBA presentation open. <laughs> they got fifty three thousand employees. Yeah. Right. So we're going to go through all this expense and effort to what might amount to probably on a That's net basis. Yeah, hundreds of jobs. Maybe. Like it's nothing. Yeah, absolutely drop in the ocean kind yep. of thing. I've often said too, it's the same with um, energy transition and the rest of it. I don't think we throw people on the on the scrap heap. I, that's I'm totally not for that. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to spend some money, let's do it on retraining or redundancy packages or something which just sort of helps us do what we need to do and make sure that we protect the people who are in the firing line. He's sort of you know, it's easy to sort of say, hey, you got to take one for the team, right? Because um, it's not me, so that's okay. But you need to take one for the team. That's that's a pretty brutal. That's kind it, of thing. right? And the government but, idea of like, let's just let's let's protect a couple of jobs so we can say we're saving some jobs because we're a workers' party, mm-hmm. and those very workers and and their colleagues, by the way, who are going to go to the Gold Coast for a holiday with their three kids to Disney or what was mm-hmm. it? Went wild. Dream world. Or the thing is, Dream World. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 
Um, they're going to pay it, but but they won't think they're paying it. So I get to stand on the on the podium and say, look how many jobs I saved because I'm the workers' part. I'm going to cost all those workers a fortune in higher airfares because it makes me I just I just. I don't know, mate. I, I'm an optimist 99% of the time. The other 1% of the time, I just despair at the those three things. The bloody, you know, the future fund, the tycoon tax, Qatar Airlines. Like, God, what? I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know what is going on. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, I think you can just, whether it's that and the gazillion other things that are sort of wrong out there, I, I, I come back to... The idea here that, mm. again, it's not the cabal of lizard people running the world that, that yeah. are sort of you know, having a conspiracy here. It's That's just what a, you think. <laughs> well, maybe it is. But I, I feel as though you've just got everyone sort of playing their – everyone's doing their own thing, right? Mm. And there's a politician out there somewhere who's like, oh, I really want to get elected. And if I say this, it'll work. And you're mm-hmm. saying it to people who are just desperately trying to get on with life and pay the mortgage and the rest of it. And that sort of yeah. sounds good. Again, it's, it's always back to this. There's the, there's the easy but wrong answer and the complicated yeah, but right exactly. answer. And the person out there on yep. the street yep. corner giving the nuanced, complex, subtle yeah. take on things, just like, I don't have time for you, mate. What well, mm-hmm. this guy, this, this d- democracy t- tends to, who was it? It was Plato or someone. He said, it tends to fail eventually because we all tend to vote for our, our own <laughs> hip pocket. So we all vote for, can everyone pay me oh. money? Yeah, that's and, right, exactly. And, and so we're all you, me at the same time as, yeah, not them. And so it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we enter this sort of late stage capitalism phase yeah, of yeah, these yeah. 400 year cycles where it's just sort of mm-hmm. like, where the the easy thing is the thing that gets done, even though it's <laughs> yes, really, exactly. really wrong. Exactly. And, yeah, and people yeah. with a, a bit more perspective, um, you know, can can sort of say, hey, this is, this is going to end pretty badly. It's like, ah, oh, it's just, I, I don't have time to listen or, or to or understand that, that argument. All I know is, is that this person is going to tax me less and give me more money in my pocket. And I'm going to go for that. Thank you very much. And, and, you know, again, when you're out there and you're mm. thinking there is, there is that sense of, gosh, things are really crappy and not as good as they used to be. And here's someone going, to, oh, they're, they're looking after the little guy. I like mm. that. I'm mm. for that. Yes, Who's, exactly. Who can be – and, they, and I, I don't even – I don't oh. begrudge those people yeah, because, yeah, again, the heart is in the right place. They're looking at someone who's downtrodden, who's in a difficult yeah. situation, and they're going, yes, the mm-hmm. government needs I'm, – I'm glad that we've now got a government that's a bit more caring and is, is taking care of those people. So it's, it's hard to be critical of that view but it's just if you think about it a little bit more it's not like we shouldn't help them we can help other people we can help people in more productive ways without introducing these massive inefficiencies and just and frankly just massive waste into the system yeah i don't know um the other one mate the other special is the pharmacy guild stuff have you seen that one this morning oh no hit me what is it well it's not not new news but they're back out trying to do it so the idea that government's trying to say to, to pharmacists you know what we previously said you could only dispense a month's worth of drugs at a time. Mm-hmm. And that means that if you had a regular chronic issue, you had to go back to the doctor, get a script, go back to the pharmacy, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. We're going to try something really, 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 really simple. We're just going to say, hey, you can have two months at a time. That's it. That's the change, right? Just mm-hmm. get two packets rather than one. Mm-hmm. The pharmacy guild have said that will cost them, get this, 20,000 jobs. Now, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to suggest without naming individuals or talking about individuals and what they say, because I won't get standard. As an organization, that is about as fine a grade of BS as you're going to find. And if it does cost them 20,000 jobs, you know it's not going to be 20,000 dispensing jobs. It's going to be 20,000 jobs for people who are working in the retail arms where they actually make their money. Yeah, pharmacies used to be a dispensing outfit. They're now retailers with a dispensary at the back. I know that. I used to work in for Blackmores. Mm-hmm. I used to work in this mm-hmm. industry, right? I know how this works. And the pharmacy guild... So basically what's happened is... 
they've come out <clears throat> big campaign against the government turns out now and again let's be i don't want to be political but i'll be policy for a sec um the lnp have decided they're gonna they're gonna repeal this 60-day dispensing if they if they get in the government for reasons that defy anybody's understanding other than the pharmacy guild is a very very powerful political lobby group so I've just confirmed that we'll never, ever have pharmacy advertising on this podcast because uh, no pharmacist is going to love me enough after that. And that's okay. That's life. We don't, uh, we don't play this for the ads. Um, uh, mate, I don't even know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling not even cynical, just despairing this morning at the, the lack of genuine public interest policy that, that passes in Australia many days. Yeah, I mean, it comes back to good old-fashioned self-interest and those that have the yeah. ability to argue for that in, in yeah. pretty clever kind of ways and, and politicians that are dumb or cynical enough to sort of buy into it and the rest of us <laughs> that are too distracted to, you know, do anything but go along with it. Yeah, probably right. <laughs> it's just, uh, there are there are probably a lot right. of things that you look at it. I, so I've, I've got some kids and they, they kind of, they're, they're getting older. So my, mm. my boy's going to be 14 this year and he's just getting oh, to wow. that stage. Yeah, I know. Like how quick has that gone, right? So, and, you know, he, he's just asking questions. Mm. And you, so, you know, his old man will be driving somewhere and I'll be screaming at the radio <laughs> in the news. Or something. He goes, why is it like that? It's like, I honestly don't know how to explain it to you. And then you try and he goes, oh, but wouldn't that mean this? And doesn't, how does that work? And it's just like, he's really tr- struggling to wrap his head around it. And I, I think there's there's an innocence of a child and also just like a clean slate as a as a brain you can look at these things in a fairly clear way and just go yeah that that just seems really unfair or it doesn't make sense and i as someone who should know better or at least be a little wiser in the ways of the world i can't explain a lot of these things without just being hyper cynical mm-hmm. and 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 i don't know am i am i wrong is there something that i'm missing here with <laughs> This stuff where someone could say, no, 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 it's really these lobbyists actually play a really important role in our society and they have led to better outcomes for everyone. And like, you know, I don't, I I, I don't know. I shrug my shoulders. Don't know. Don't know. Mm -hmm. Let's, um, let's, let's finish mate on a high. Let's finish with, speaking of high, pun intended, both in terms of an emotional high, a, a mental high and a share price high. I am, of course, talking about everyone's favorite investor, Uncle Warren, Uncle Warren Buffett, and the company he runs, Berkshire Hathaway, which hit an all-time high on, I want to say it was Tuesday this week. Uh, now, I own shares Berkshire Hathaway. I don't think anyone needs to know that, but I will say it again. If you're a new listener or you've forgotten, uh, you've got amnesia for some reason, uh, I am a very happy Berkshire shareholder. Uh, now, for the record, I wasn't going to mention it. You said, oh, we've got to, got to mention Berkshire. So I am going to, uh, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to claim, oh, I didn't disagree with you, but I, but I'm, I'm going to claim a, a little bit of uh, uh, innocence here. It was your suggestion to, to cover. Um, Matt, I'm going to, I'll, I'll throw it to you instead. Just say, you said we've got to mention Berkshire. Now, all-time highs happen semi-regularly on the market. It's more common than not because that's what happens with, to about CBA, right? Profits go up, company share prices tend to go up, markets tend to go up over time. Why is it worth mentioning Berkshire's all-time high? I think it's worth mentioning because, again, perspective and context is really valuable when it comes to um, looking at business performance and investment mm. returns and the rest of it. We were going to talk about WeWork, and I don't want to we divert were. into that. We've run out of no time. But, but just I'll make the point here that WeWork – so this is where you would go in and you'd rent an office space or whatever, and it was mm. a new business model, and it took the world by storm. And the, <laughs> the, the, the punchline here is that they're, they're, they're on death's door, right? They're about to go out of business. The stock's down 99% from its high. 
and bonds are worthless. They're just they're in they're in huge trouble. They've effectively said they may not be able to continue. So we're not even speculating. The company's pretty much said, look, this this may not end well. Yeah, and, and you know, oh gosh, there's so much to say. But basically, <laughs> when the unit economics don't stack up, no matter if yeah. no amount of scale is going to really sort of save That's you here. Right. But but the uh, the the reason I mention that is that for many many years, stocks like WeWork and others were just going to the moon. And yeah. boring old Charlie and Warren there in Omaha, old men, they don't even have computers on their desk, the idiots, you know? <laughs> you know, buying like, you know, buying their own like railways and, you know, all this stuff. It's just sort of like the most ho-hum boring thing. Yeah. And you get the usual, oh, they've lost it. They're, they're, um, they don't know what they're doing anymore. <laughs> so it's worth mentioning because we've, we're old enough to have gone through. We've, we've, it's not our first rodeo, right? As Correct. I'm fond of saying. We have seen the headlines. We've seen this play out again and again and again 06. and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, gosh, it wasn't that long ago when Berkshire stock, I want to say, mm-hmm. I'm just trying and find it here. It was actually about last year. It was 528. This is the A series yeah. shares. Uh, it felt it felt twenty five percent September last year. That's it, twenty five percent. So from three hundred fifty eight dollars for the B shares, we got the B's here. Twenty uh, in uh, March twenty twenty. Uh, March was well, March twenty two. Sorry, by June it was two hundred sixty eight dollars. So three fifty eight down two sixty eight in the space of three months. Yep. And and then and again, this you can zoom out on that chart. This happens all the. This is yes, normal, exactly, right? Exactly. But, but why it's so why it's yeah. noteworthy is that for a company that started out as a textile mill, mm-hmm. <laughs> became a global conglomerate, has seen a you know a thousand different recessions. Have seen a thousand different you know Federal Reserve chairmen's come and go. Have seen a thousand mm-hmm. different. Have seen uh, the economy today is is. I mean, it's so vastly different to what it was even 20 years ago. Yeah. And these are people that, you know, yeah, right. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Warren has a smartphone, but I bet you he just uses it to play bridge <laughs> and get text messages, right? And yeah. yet they have continued. This, this, this all-time record high has, <laughs> has been underpinned not by hype and not by fad and fashion. Yeah, has right. been underpinned by cons- consistently rising earnings, per mm-hmm. share earnings. And which, which, shouldn't be, which shouldn't be a strange concept, but there you go. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it, right? <laughs> Fundamentals matter. Turns out um, you make some money, people will pay more for your shares. Eventually. And this yep. is the whole, yes, this yes, is yes, like just to quote his mentor, you know, the long term, mm-hmm. the short term, the market is a, a voting machine and the long term, mm-hmm. it's a weighing machine. And the yep. weight of earnings that Berkshire has consistently <laughs> delivered. And yep. the other thing, just to go a little bit full circle on what we were talking about before with CBA, they have done it with a balance sheet that could only be described as a fortress balance sheet. It it is, Berkshire is of a scale now that when the largest economy in the world gets in trouble, Washington picks up the phone to Warren and says, can you, can you help out? Uh, Literally, like like, literally that is true, right? So, so uh, what am I saying? Um, Am I saying run out and buy Berkshire? No, because we don't give advice (laughs) on this, but I am sort of saying that you could have bought this at any previous all-time record high at any kind of point where things look really dodgy, where, you know, and at some point they're going to drop off the perch and I'm sure that'll actually be a wonderful buying opportunity, but he is, Mm. he has so structured this thing. (laughs) to be as anti-fragile as you can possibly imagine and and as relentlessly focused on not they they don't have an investor relations arm 
Mm-hmm. You know, they go to the Berkshire website. It was built in 1998. It is the most dingy website. website that it is you've my ever favorite seen. website ever. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. It's embarrassingly bad. Yeah, correct, correct. And 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 yet. <laughs> All of their time is focused on finding compounding machines, yeah. businesses that can take in capital, spit out more capital, and then they can reinvest across the conglomerate. And it's just, yeah. it is it is a masterclass in what this whole game is about. And <laughs> it just it just it just it just deserves mm. it bears repeating, and it deserves mentioning. Right? Can I can, a couple of things? But my one of my favorite things, the bottom of that website. It says, just listeners, if you have any comments about our webpage, you can write us at the address shown above. <laughs> However, due to the limited number of personnel in our corporate office, we are unable to provide a direct response. <laughs> don't email us. Don't call us. Write to us. We're not going to get back to you. <laughs> just, yep. That's brilliant. And it by the way, so Warren fantastic. and Charles, I think Warren's salary is like 100K or something. It is. Like, yep. You know? It um, has been for as long as he's been doing it, I think, or almost. Yep. And it's just, it's, it's, <laughs> there is so much to, yep. to, to, it is it is so unusual. And there's this really famous interview with Charlie Munger gave years ago. I forget who it was, but they're sort of talking about their track record. And maybe it was Becky Quick or someone's going, well, how come no one else does it? Like, <laughs> aren't, aren't, really, aren't you worried that someone else will? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, like, it, yeah. it's too simple for everyone yeah. to follow. People yeah. expect complexity to be far to lead to far superior and they returns. look for it they actively yeah. look, i'm actually too easy There's, there must be reasons why it won't keep going i'll go and try and find something much more difficult to invest in instead yep so what do you yep. so i just really quickly mate this is radio so it's hard but the uh berkshire shares in 1998 25 years ago 52 dollars is all us dollars so not going to convert it 52 bucks right dot com mania takes off goes nuts by march 2000 the shares have fallen from 52 odd to 29 dollars because people went actually i'm gonna buy those tech stocks instead did it Guess get that happens? low it got that low wow. this is split adjusted this is b class by split adjusted so oh okay okay uh, you got it yeah. they're all they're all split adjusted. so 51 dollars down to 20 what is it 29 bucks right 2000 then gets up to 93 dollars in 07 depths of the gfc 46 dollars <laughs> Effectively mm. halving, right? This mm. is Berkshire Hathaway. And by the way, this is not hindsight bias. Firstly, I owned the shares then. Secondly, this is not... Buffett had been running this thing for 40 years by then. This is not This is not flash in the pan. Or maybe it's a brand new company. What if, what if it doesn't survive tomorrow? This is Berkshire, right? Yeah. Gets up to, in 2020, $226. January 2020, what happens next? 226 falls to $169. It's still Berkshire. What are you people doing? Gets up to, as I said, 350 in April 2022, falls to 200 and whatever it was, whatever I say, $268. The, here's the thing, right? So a couple of things. When those shares fall, everyone looks around trying to find a reason for it. Why are the shares falling? What's going on? What should I do now? Maybe it's time to sell. Has Buffett lost his thing? The, the, the human the tendency to overstate the short term, both forwards and backwards, yeah. is just phenomenal, right? And, we've, and fear is more important than grief. When things fall, we think... What if someone knows something? What if what if it's right? Maybe what if this time it's a problem? And you kind of think, oh man, there's just so much, there's so much in that that um, I think you really, really want to want to kind of call out. Uh, now, Berkshire shares could crash again. Again, as Ram said, I own shares. I think you should buy shares, but we're not giving you formal advice here. This is not what it's about. Um, but uh, and you know, will Warren die? Yes, unfortunately, I, I choose to believe he's immortal, but I dare say he's probably not. So I may be wrong on that one. Um, now, by the way, the board's going to have probably authorization to repurchase shares. And if the shares fall, maybe they'll be repurchased or maybe there'll be a buying opportunity. In either case, in 10 years' time, 
when we look back <laughs> again as it's been over the last 55 years of berkshire's life what are the odds that that's a permanently lower price not very high in my opinion so you know what else is interesting mate i um I'm going, to, I'm going to, it's late in the podcast, but I'm, if, if you're still here, I'll probably mention it on Sunday because I want to, but the Vanguard Index chart was out this week. I don't know if you saw it was released on Wednesday. Um, oh, right. The single best, most important picture in, uh, in finance. Follow, jump on one of my socials. I posted about it this week in all of the socials. You can find a copy there. Go to Vanguard Index chart, find it there. Jump on the full website, you'll find it there. Um, not to give myself a rap or, or get traffic to saying, go and look at it. Cause, and, and you know, even, so I posted it during the week. And I got the whole, yeah, but what if dot, dot, dot. Well, what if it's just a, a money printing? What if it's just this? What if it's just that? What if the... And it's kind of one of those things where people have a really interesting... I don't know what it is, mate. You might have a, a thought on this and I don't want to take too long with it. But the idea of like, hey, let me tell you about the last hundred and something years of, of compound returns in the stock market. Someone's going to say, yeah, but what if it's over now? Mm-hmm. And I just, I find that fascinating. I don't mean it critically. I just find it genuinely fascinating where someone says, you've shown me 120 years of history. I'm going to choose to believe that maybe possibly today is the day that history stops being relevant. Mm. And it, it's not that people should be, shouldn't be questioning. It's not that you shouldn't always. Maybe things do change. Right? I think there is always a first time for everything. Things do, do change. There are reasons. Or people say, what about Japan? I'm like, yeah, Japan had a crap 30 years. What about every other economy that didn't? Like it just the, the ability to pick the one, you know, the, the exception that proves the rule, right? Mm. <laughs> and say, what is that exception? It's like, well, statistically, probabilistically. I just don't get it. What what am I missing? Are you just you're just missing human nature? I think. But what is it it's, about human nature that does that to us? That's what it can't work out. Well, I think what I think about this probably too much, but I think we have no uh, recognition of how unusual our lives are. <laughs> if you were to if you were to get like a piece of string and pull it out a hundred meters and say this is this is human history yeah. since we yeah. like you know biologically we're. <laughs> sort of became Homo sapiens. Right. Same, same cognitive abilities, mm-hmm. every, every, mm-hmm. every, everything like that. It's really only in the last few inches that we've lived yeah. in this modern, modern yeah. age. And for the most part of our evolution, it was like, you know, I'm just trying to get through the day without being eaten by a saber-toothed tiger and eat mm. some poison berries or something. You know, I just, I, I, don't, I, the ability to think long-term is, is unnatural for us. And so someone like Buffett, who is a freak in the very real sense of the term, mm. who is, who is yeah. capable of yeah. doing is unusual. It's not to be critical. At, 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 I think all of us struggle. That yeah. that immediate gratification is always going to be very difficult to sort of overcome, mm. and things always look scary, and um, uh, it, it always feels too late, and you know it's just very difficult to wrap your mind around that you'll hopefully, well, you'll either be dead or you'll be around here in five and 10 years time. And, and the other thing that we've got no ability to do easily without using a higher order sort of cognitive functions is, is to understand what compound mm-hmm. compounding is. You know, you can fold a piece of 100%. paper 42. Well, you actually, you, you, can't, you can't. No. But <laughs> if you could, if you could, if you could fold a piece of paper 42 <laughs> times, you, you'd get to the moon, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. Th- that's compounding for yeah. you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think people look at it and go, oh, it's too hard or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, need, I, need, I need it to be bigger. And just like, you know, shut up, right? Sit down, <laughs> buy some good quality company ca- shares. Sometimes you'll be it. up, sometimes you'll be down. <laughs> you know, it, it'll probably average up, up a single, let's call it eight, yep. 9%, yep. maybe yep. if you're lucky, 10, 11% per annum. 
And yeah. uh, in a decade <laughs> or so, you'll wake up and you'll just be insanely wealthy. Uh-huh. Like, that's it, right? That is, that, that is it. That's Full literally stop. it. Exactly, exactly. And, yeah. and you don't yeah. need to be super smart to do it. It's like, oh, I can't mm-hmm. pick stocks. I don't know how to do it. It's like, okay, fine, buy an ETF. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like, how easy do we have to make it for you here? <laughs> That and, is and so yet, true. It just, and we can't, you can't compete. Can't it's yourself. like the, yep. the politicians yep. before. It's like, try building a business based on that, right? Like, you can't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna create a hedge fund, which is going to promise you 20% returns. <laughs> with with a truckload of risk that maybe you'll lose everything, but have a go anyway. Yeah, well, yeah. Again, who's yeah. lining up? But no one's coming to my <laughs> shop. Everyone's going to, <laughs> you know, Fast Tony over there who's offering you instant riches. It, it, it oh. will always, I don't care. We will have robot assistants and AI you know, yeah. um, products out there. We'll, we will still be doing this because we are still we are still human, and that that is the answer. And it's why we have said, and every every famous investor has said, it's not a secret. It's just it's something that you need to <laughs> internalize. You yeah. don't have to be super smart to do this stuff. You just have to have patience, discipline, and fortitude. You, you've got those kinds of things. Yeah. Just do just do the, the it's the truly unremarkable stuff. But just doing it for a very consistent, doing it consistently for a long period of time, mm. and I, my favorite analogy I think is with with health and fitness. I'm not a I'm not a big health. I should be healthier and fitter than I <laughs> oh, am. Yeah, but it's not complicated, man. Like yeah. you know, cut out the Big Macs, right? Stop drinking the fizzy drink. Maybe go for a bit, and and and, and mm. you know what? A week mm. later, your life is not going to be any different at all. Yeah. You yeah. know, six months later to a year later, you've probably added 10, 15 quality years to your mm-hmm. life. It is mm-hmm. that substantial, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not hard. It's you don't need a personal trainer. You don't need a special meal kits. You don't need to buy protein <laughs> at the gym. You know, just it's yeah. so yeah. basic. It's so basic. But it 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 again we we were evolved when we came across to the bush full of lovely succulent berries we mm-hmm. gorged ourselves on it because we didn't know right, when we were going right. to find it again you know yep. so to 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 act against that is is very hard but if 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 i can finish this rant with anything it's just to keep that in mind and keep in mind that you yourself are your own worst enemy and yep. you need to set systems in place which is really easy, just like, I'm going to put this much aside each month. And when it gets to a certain amount, I'm going to put it into an ETF. And that's what yeah. I'm going to do. And that's a go- that's sacrosanct. That I'm never going to change that. You know, yep. oh, just keep doing it. I've got yeah. a friend who's really good at it. Uh, mm, uh, mm. Uh, but then every two, three years, he notices he's got a big pile of money there oh. and he goes on holidays. And I'm like, oh, dude, <laughs> what are you doing? And we wonder why superannuation is important. Do you know what I mean? I mean literally, literally, that is that. I, I've often said, man, this is, I, I, I've got to do this better, but I think my current version of it is successful investing is literally defined as the ability to overcome our evolutionary impulses. Yep, that's it. I literally, I literally think that's, 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 it's I mean, it's, super, not, a, it's, a it's super not a technical power. definition, but it's, it is, it is. Yep. Um, yeah, anyway. Hey, uh, we've gone well and truly out of time. Will you come back on Sunday and answer some <laughs> questions? <laughs> Absolutely. What are you laughing for? Um, uh, well, we always we, go over time. Uh, well, yeah, that, and also <laughs> answer some questions. Yeah, and then just probably like take go off on a massive tangent <laughs> about my favorite topics again. Is probably that you know, but I'm here for both of it. Come back for the Sunday tangent bag at uh, eight o'clock or so Eastern Standard Time, and we will be back in your ears with the Motley Fool Money Podcast. Uh, you can hit us up on all socials. I'll give those out on Sunday. You probably know them already. And in the meantime, enjoy the first half of your weekend and fool on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.